Lord Bloodraw's nerve-wracking auditorium is made possible by Lord Bloodraw's Patreon supporters. Lord Bloodraw keeps the love of vintage horror and science fiction alive with three weekly shows. The Nerve-Wracking Auditorium, Lord Bloodraw's Nerve-Wracking Theater, the long-running syndicated TV series presenting horror and science fiction feature films, and the Patreon-exclusive series, Lord Bloodraw's Cathode Zone, presenting episodes of classic genre TV shows. For more info, and to see the premiere episode of Lord Bloodraw's Cathode Zone, go to patreon.com slash lordbloodraw. Ah, I'm so glad you're here. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Lord Bloodraw. I host horror and science fiction films on my TV series, Lord Bloodraw's Nerve Rack and Theater, but here, in this cool, intimate darkness, I'll be presenting tales of horror and the uncanny solely for you, alone. In this auditorium within your mind, you will coalesce the settings and the players from the ether of your imagination. Your terror will be your own creation. This is the sorcery of sound, the subtle magic of old-time radio. Horror. Horror. at the door. You will not need them. This is Lord Bloodraw's nerve-wracking auditorium. There is a term that has gained wide use in some circles. High strangeness. It is defined roughly as a quality of being peculiar, bizarre, absurd. I disagree with that last description. Absurd has a connotation of the comic, whereas most people who experience high strangeness, by all reports, did not find it funny. Here is one such report from an old gentleman who definitely found no humor in his situation. Here, from the Black Mass, comes the tale the flies. Hello. Welcome to the Black Mass. We've been hoping you join us tonight. There's plenty of room in our establishment for everyone. Um, I see that most of you are standing in the outer darkness, along the walls, in the corners. Well and good. Um, But our inner circle 
our chain of empathy is not yet complete. Twelve is such an even number. Uh, we need just one more. Won't someone volunteer? Come on. It's only in spirit. Ah, yes, you'll do nicely. Right here, on my left. Now, we're all set. Tonight, a tale about a common household pest in a very pestilent household. The events were related to us by an old gentleman picked up in a London street near Holborn. He seemed to have suffered a fall, and as he lay close to death, he couldn't get the story out of his mind. Listen now as our gentleman lives Anthony Verco's adventure of the fly. One last time. It was sickening weather. A typical English summer. All day long, the rain had padded on the rooftops and poured in a gurgling stream into the street gutters of the city. The dome of St. Paul's lay enveloped in a great black cloud, and the whole sky to the westward was angry and dark, with foreboding. Towards the dusk, the rain ceased for a while, and I crept out from the crude shelter of an arch to find some more tempting spot in which to spend the night. Not that it was cold. Far from it, the atmosphere was almost tropically oppressive and grew worse as still the thunder held off. Oh, but I was sick and faint from want of food and longed with all the fever of despair for a clean, soft bed and palatable fare for a finely-headed in my checks. It was while I dragged myself painfully in the direction of High Holborn that I first saw the house. The wood that I had been mercifully obliterated at that moment by some passing lorry, rather than live to repeat this tale. It was a little old-fashioned dwelling, like many that are to be seen in the district relics of Elizabethan times. It smirked at my misery through its diamond-paned windows, challenging me. A notice was plastered across the signboard protruding from the portal, bearing the heaven-sent words, To let. To let. The hour was late. Uh, the street practically deserted. 
my head seemed to reel under the weight of the unexploded storm. As if to aid me in making up my mind, a large splash of rain as big as a penny fell with a soft plop onto my forehead, as warm and sticky like the night outside, and I hesitated no longer. Within that smirking, self-satisfied, wise old house lay refuge from the deluge which threatened me. Cautiously, I, I approached the door. Uh, it was locked, of course. I examined the window fastenings on the ground floor window and cursed my usual bad luck. Uh, the, then a weakness in the lead round one of the diamonds caught my attention. Uh, I glanced quickly to the right and left. The, the policeman at the corner had his back to me. Two couples hurried by. Another quick look. I was unobserved. A tinkle of breaking glass. A thrust of the arm, a turn of the wrist, and the window was open. Open. And beckoning. I scrabbled with my hands on the window ledge and painfully drew myself up. The effort cost me what little strength I'd left. Oh, but at last I lay exhausted, though triumphant, inside. I don't know how long I remained there, gasping on the floor, my heart hammering in my breast, my temples knocking. It may have been an hour, or only a few moments, maybe I fainted. Remember, I had had no food for three days. But at last I rose, closed the window again to avoid suspicion, and felt in my pockets for an odd match. I, I struck it. Then, at what its light revealed, I nearly dropped it. Uh, the room was furnished, splendidly furnished, in a style three centuries old. A sevenfold candelabra gleamed metallic on the mantel, and I hurriedly applied my wavering match to it that I might see better. Oh, I held my hand over the flame, thinking that my weakness was playing tricks with me. Uh, oh, but no, it was true, it was true. I, a hungry, homeless vagabond, had found sanctuary in a home beyond my wildest dreams, an antiquary's paradise. Um, carrying my candelabra, uh, I advanced to the door. Then, uh, then on the threshold I halted. A uh, sudden fear had shaken me. The house I had seen from outside had looked bare and empty. There had been that toilette sign to confirm its appearance. This house, on the contrary, was comfortably, even sumptuously furnished. And it had the feel of a house that has lived in. Uh, suppose I had made a mistake. Suppose in my feeble and overwrought state I had broken into the wrong house. Uh, I could expect little mercy at the hands of the occupants. There was a policeman at the corner, and I, and I was virtually a burglar. Uh, 
I realized how tame my excuses would sound as he hauled me off with them to the station. A prison, yeah. Yeah, there was always shelter there. But my old pride had always forbidden me to avail myself of it. Uh, pride. <laughs> pride in my condition. Uh, and then... Uh, then I first heard it. It seemed to come from within my brain. Low-pitched, buzzing. And I began to wonder what new trick my failing strength was playing me. But the sound droned on, sometimes increasing, sometimes decreasing. I became conscious that the room was growing warmer. I, I swayed a little and stretched out my hand to the door. It opened easily. And a moment later, I stood in the hall. Almost immediately, I realized that the buzzing had stopped. By the light of my candles, I marked a little door in the passage, which presumably led to the kitchen, and staggered towards it. There might food lie. The long flight of oak stairs trending upwards I disregarded for fear of, of, of waking the householder. Cautiously, I pushed open the little door and stepped through. I, I was in a kind of parlour. And beyond, through another door, I could see the kitchen. I lifted my candelabra and gazed about me. To my right, a second door showed me where the, the housekeeper slept. I looked to my left. Ah, spread on a small oak table was the most delicious meal I could have hoped for. Food, food, ah, oh, food. I, I, I stumbled towards it and, setting down my light, began to eat uh, oh, ravenously. Uh, oh, oh, all moral scruples vanished at the sight of food. Uh, oh, I, I was a man. I was starving. Surely none would deny me the means to stay these gnawing pangs. Uh, 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 and then it came again, a low, continuous buzzing. But not in my head this time. My head was clear. Uh, the sound seemed to come from the housekeeper's room. Uh, I filled my mouth and, and approaching the door, bent my head to the crack. Uh, it's a buzz, buzzing. Yes, unmistakably, it came from within. I put my eye to the keyhole. Uh, but the room was in darkness. A queer temptation came to me to trace this sound to its source. And at risk of waking anyone who might be sleeping inside, I, I placed my hand on the knob and cautiously turned it. Oh, almost immediately, the sound of buzzing stopped. Slowly, very slowly, I opened the door and peeped inside. Ah, uh, ah, uh, 
Oh, then I think my heart froze. Uh, supported across two chairs was a long wooden box whose shape filled me with an unnameable dread. Uh, two three-branch candelabra stood with their fuel gutted out upon the floor. The lid of the coffin was off. Uh, at first, by my candlelight, I thought that the occupant of the coffin was a black man. Then, as I peered, horror-stricken by my gruesome discovery, the ghastly buzzing recommenced. It seemed as though a veil was plucked simultaneously from the corpse's face, leaving what had been mercifully hidden bare in all its festering corruption to my revolted gaze. I stepped backward toward the door, shutting my eyes to the white boldness of that putrefying thing in the coffin. Well, I held my breath to withstand the stench that arose from it. Uh, uh, the, then something got in the way of my foot and I stumbled. Uh, the doorknob flew out of my head and I, and I heard the door slam behind me. Uh, uh, then the next instant I was battling frenziedly with the monstrous, droning, buzzing cloud of low flies which had been feasting on the corpse. Madly I beat at them with my fists. The whole room seemed alive with little hairy legs with tiny sticky feet trying to settle in my skin. <laughs> and all the time they kept up that hideous buzzing sound as they beat furiously with their wings on the petted atmosphere. One of them, one of them uh, larger than the rest that does by its weight settled on my lip uh, uh, and sought to insert its leprous body into my mouth. Uh, thought of a thing that I'd just been feasting on flashed into my mind, nauseating me. And I struck savagely at it with my bare hands. Uh, oh, I felt its huge fat body squelch in my cheek and dropped. Uh, uh, somehow I gained the door and opened it. Oh, I had dropped my candelabra in my panic and now panting and sweating with fear. I, I, I have crawled, half rolled into the parlor. Oh, 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 as I heard the door of the bedroom slam to after me, I breathed a prayer of relief for my escape. Oh, there had been something unnatural in the behavior of those flies. Something almost wickedly intelligent in the way they had attacked me. Their assault had had the appearance of being carefully organized by a superior brain. Uh, by the mind of some great leader or, or general. Uh, Deprived of my light, I groped in the darkness for the, the little door which led into the hall. Oh, my, my, my fingers hosed on the knob and turned it round and round at once, meeting with no, no resistance from the lock. While, while all the time a chill fear crept up my spine, paralyzing my very thoughts. Something had happened to the catch. The knob was useless. I was locked in. Ah, madly, I, sh I shook and rattled at the doorknob. Time and again, I, f I flung the pitiful weight of my wasted body against the sturdy oak of that small, relentless door, exhausting my newly gained strength and useless effort. Then, when all hope had nearly left me, oh... In a, in a flash, I remembered the kitchen. Fool! I cursed my stupidity, and, and stumblingly, I, I fumbled across the pitch-dark parlor to the kitchen door. Oh, here, here surely would be a way of escape. I turned and, and shook my fist in the direction of those half-human flies buzzing maddeningly behind that shut door. 
that other door, the door of death. Oh, oh, it was my body they wanted, to drink live blood and taste live flesh. I'd felt it, I'd felt it, I'd known it there in that room while I fought them. Oh, but I would cheat them, I'd cheat them yet. I staggered across the threshold into the kitchen and made my way to the back door. A big window yawned to the right of it. Flooding the place with a queer white moonlight. I tried the latch. Oh, blessed virgin, it turned, it turned. But I ceased to laugh. Not a, not a fraction of an inch would the door move either way. I strained and tugged and pulled. At last I felt round the edges of the door and the mystery stood revealed. Sharp points of nails placed at regular intervals touched my fingers. My exit had been nailed up from the outside. But why? Why? Oh. Even as I wondered, I heard the clanging of a bell somewhere in the street. I peered through the window. Uh, queer how different London looks by moonlight. Uh, I, I realized I, I was gazing in a part of the city I, I had not dreamed existed. The houses opposite seemed almost to invade those on my side of the road. So narrow was the thoroughfare between. Uh, decorate, too, they were. The black beams ornamented here and there with fantastic designs, while their gables lowered menacingly over my head, leaving but a strip of sky. Uh, again, that bell, uh, nearer this time, and with it I, I could fancy I heard the scrape and bump of heavy wheels over the cobbles. Uh, and a voice was calling something. Hoarse, melancholy voice. But the words eluded me. Uh, who could be selling things in Holborn at this time of night? Uh, but at least he might render me assistance if only I could attract his attention. Uh, I clambered on to a table which stood by the window and looked down. Here, the street was on a lower level than in the front of the house. To jump would be difficult, even dangerous. Uh, the cart, the cart it was, rolled into view, drawn by a great black horse. Uh, a man was leading it, uh, and occasionally shouting his melancholy cry. While behind him, on the cart itself, another man was sitting, queerly silent. Him, his whole attitude indicative of the deepest despair. There was a lantern on the table beside me, and, and finding another match, I lit it, moving it slowly from side to side in front of the window. Uh, soon they would see it, would stop their cart below me, uh, and let me jump to the clean comfort of the open street. 
Oh, or anything rather than stay another moment in the evil silence of this uncanny house. Uh, oh, he had seen me. He, he was looking up at the window. What was that he was calling? I smiled and I nodded, beckoning him nearer. And now his words came clearer. Uh, uh, bring out your dead. Bring out your dead. Uh, he, he pointed to the back of his great ponderous cart. It was full, heaped high with... with what? Oh, oh, sh shuddering, I saw that the tangled, torturous mass in the back of the cart was human freight. And as a shaft of moonlight fell for an instant across them, that some were not dead. Yet, scarce understanding even then what it meant, I looked across at the darkened doorways of the houses opposite and gasped. Each door was marked with a large cross. The cross of despair. The cross of humanity. The cross of the plague. The cart rumbled on and I let it go. I was dazed with the meaning of it all. Had I stepped back through three hundred years when I broke through the window of the house in Holborn? Had I died outside when I lay under the arch in the pouring rain? And could this be my hell? Uh, uh, and even while I clasped my tortured head in my hands, I heard again that dread buzzing of the flies. Uh, fearfully, I tiptoed to the kitchen door and held my lantern aloft. Uh, the droning from the death chamber swelled louder than a swarm of bees. They were angry at being balked of their prey, uh, the living prey that was so much rarer than the dead. Uh, the atmosphere in the parlor was stifling, and I longed for something to drink. Uh, I thought of the wine and food on the table in the corner. Uh, ah, then seeing it recoiled, Oh, had I really eaten that writhing mass of great white worms? Oh, or had the food putrefied during the few minutes I had been out of the room? Then something hummed triumphantly round my head, and out of reach. I turned and stared, hypnotized at what I saw, Watching me from its perch on a piece of rotten meat on the table was an enormous fat blowfly. There seemed to be something malevolent about its very immovability. And as I looked, it was joined by another and yet another. And now the buzzing became apparent within the parlor itself. Uh, I turned my head and stared at the bedroom door. Uh, from under a crack in the bottom of the door came an endless wriggling stream of fat black bodies as big as nutmegs. One by one, they spread their wings and hummed clumsily up to the table where they settled and fixed me. A motionless dark mass behind the three leaders. 
sir, the noise of the buzzing filled the thick atmosphere of the room. Turned into a crepidoon out. A note, almost of exultation, a fiendish delight at the way they had outwitted me. Oh, they formed up in companies, awaiting the signal to charge, while I could only stare, stare, hell spellbound by their uncanny discipline. <laughs> For, for a moment, there was a complete stillness as the last of them joined the watching army. Then, then in a mass, they rose, ah, ah, and the room echoed to the shrill, savage beating of their wings. Ah, ah, I dropped the lantern and, and fled into the kitchen while all about me the disease-carrying vermin buzzed and whirled, settling on my face, my neck, my ears. Ah, ah, I fought them off blindly. I leaped up to the table by the window. Drop at least out of the street, but I did not hesitate. The plague was in the house. The flies carried the plague. The food I had eaten had been infected. Uh, I could feel a lump on my arm, and a curious feeling of nausea overcame me. Uh, with my bare arm, I smashed the glass of the window, tearing and beating down the ledge between the panes like a maniac. Though uh, I had the dread scourge, I cheat the buzzing pest. Uh, they might feast on my body, but never whilst I. I drew breath, and then I crashed headlong down into the street. Bring out your dead! Bring out your Incidentally, there's no sign of a house at that particular corner of Holborn, where the old man was found. But the road there does cross the site of one of the many pits which harbour the bodies of the victims who died as a result of the Great Plague. But now it's time to break up our little gathering for this evening. We'll meet again real soon. Join us. Bring a friend. <laughs> Good night. would you classify this old gentleman's experience? A haunting? Poltergeist activity? A time slip? <laughs> a very bad fly infestation? The term high strangeness seems to be the best definition, until a better term is found, or until the supernatural is acknowledged as reality. 
Thank you for joining me in the Nerve Racken Auditorium, and I hope you'll come again. But now it's time for you to rejoin the, uh, real world. I am Lord Bloodraw, and I'll be waiting here for you in the shadows of your mind until the next time you seek the darkness. Good night. <laughs>